Welcome to our podcast series, Stories from the Field, the podcast that takes you deeper into the lives of national workers around the world. I'm your host, Joy Kita, and with me in the studio are Ron and Karis Pierce. Welcome back, guys. Good day. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited because I love these stories. Well, today we're going to go to China, Joy, and uh, I'm going to tell you a story about a young man I met. He was probably in his middle 30s uh, when I met him, but he had quite a life. He started when he was a teenager, and he went to Bible school, and uh, he told me, <laughs> sitting this in this room, um, he was very, very excited about telling me his story, and he started out in super excitement when he said this, we were in this Bible school, a group of us students, we spent 14 hours a day studying the Word of God, and we had to memorize 800 verses in two months. That has to be impossible. I know. <laughs> wow. uh, that's what I thought at the time, but uh, this wow. was this was normal life for them. It was very very hard, and um, then he says we were there for a year or two, something like that. And then he says we went out, all his classmates, and they would go to the various villages around, and they would have arranged meetings for them there, and they would work from morning until night. And he said they became exhausted. Absolutely exhausted, and so much so that sometimes they would lose their voice because of preaching the gospel. And so he kept kept on going, telling me these sorts of things. And then he moved on to the, another time, and he says, then we went into a cave. And this cave his father and he had dug, and it could hold 200 people. Wow. And this was— That's a cave. This is, is a big, big cave. I mean, I'm picturing yeah. a cave— that you walk into, or would it be more of an underground? No, this would this would pr- well, like it, this, it could be yeah, both. It could be both. Okay. Um, I would suspect it would be a walk-in. Yeah, and they carved it out. Maybe there was already a bit of a cave right. there, but they made it uh, available for two hundred people to gather together. And he said, in there, in the darkness, he said we would prepare by candlelight sermons. We would study, and we would hand write out Bibles because they didn't have enough printed ones, so they would hand write them out. And he said, then we would have various people come in, and they would study in there with us, etc. And, and it was it was almost like a, a convention center mm-hmm. um, on, a, on the down low, as far as this was no <laughs> right. stars. This wasn't a four star. This was a zero star. And they would come in for that sort of thing. And he did that for about two or three years, and then they were arrested. And he and his other friends were all put in jail, and they were in there for three years. When he got out of the jail, then he would go around and he would continue to start churches in the various areas. This one time, um, the police couldn't catch him, and he kept traveling around working, and his reputation was growing. So they arrested his father, Mm -hmm. and they imprisoned him and let it leak out that they were torturing him, and they were coercing the son to give himself up to free the father. Mm -hmm. So he did. He went back in. He gave himself up. Didn't matter. They put them both in prison for three years. Wow. And, um, and he just started to describe what it was like in there. And it was pretty bad. And this is the thing that I remembered the most. Because he, he talked about the fact that they would have quotas in the prison to do various things. Some would work outside, and he did. And they weren't allowed shoes in the winter. They weren't allowed any coats. Um, they were um, bound by their legs so they couldn't run and by their hands. So they would work with chains on in these sort of situations. But he said, 
Other times, they would be forced to work inside. And one of the biggest things that they did was make Christmas tree lights. Uh, the ones that you folks listening probably have in your um, homes at Christmas time. Like the little twinkly the lights little, we put the on the little trees. twinkly oh. lights. And they would make them there with the wires, etc. Those were, in, and in China today, they're handmade and sold all around the world. And he demonstrated for us on another occasion outside of this. He demonstrated for me how it was done. And we, we happened to dump a whole bunch of these on the floor in front of him. And they were in someone's home. And they were all, you know, mixed up. And you know how you get a ball right. of wire. Big dot. Yeah, big dot. <laughs> so put it on the floor. It looked like a basketball of wire. <laughs> and he put it on there. Oh, he said, this is it. And he got down there. And you could see his fingers working and his teeth. And he was bending things. Really? And it was just like he was in the prison. Just the muscle memory of doing oh, it. Oh, it, it, it was incredible to watch. And he says, every day we would have a quota of so many of these strings that we would have to create. <laughs> and every day the quota was never met. And they would beat us every single day. And he said they would even get the prisoners to beat them. So we asked him, well, what about food? And he says, usually they would have pieces of hard, dried out bread, mm -hmm. the bread that no one else wanted or things like mm -hmm. that, food that was virtually unedible, mm -hmm. but they would have to eat it. And he says many of the prisoners died in prison or wanted to die, and many not the Christians, but many of the unbelievers would commit suicide in the prison. And that's why they wouldn't let wow. them have shoes or shirts or zippers. Right. I had no idea why zippers, but uh, it must be <laughs> something mean, in laces, China. I yeah, and shoelaces <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Right. That's no problem. But, uh, but so they couldn't have zippers either. So this was his life in doing it. So we asked about the productivity that he had when he was doing this, and he started 400 churches by the coast, and this would be the um, the coast of China, the ocean and everything like that. So this would be on the east side of China. And he started 400 churches, and they continued and grew, and he did all of this while going to prison. And he would interspersed with planting churches, be captured, spend two years in prison, etc. So if you can add up his life, he's starting probably when he was about 16 years old, I was talking to him about mid-30s. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say he was at this for 20 years. And these are the years in a young person, young man's life, when they want to be doing other things, like getting married, having a family, mm -hmm. all of this sort of stuff. This was not his calling, and he sacrificed so much for the gospel. But he was an inspiration to many. And he finally became the head of a major house church movement in China, and today, from last I heard, he was still in, in charge. He was, the, the group was growing, and it is a powerful operation there today. So he's still being productive oh, years yes, later. years later. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he never stopped. He never would stop. Um, conditions have varied in the prisons. Back when he first got going, to go to prison, and it was very, very rough. Well, today— and in what year we're in, 2021 right now, um, it is not as bad over there due to the COVID situation. There aren't as many being sent to prison. But the, you have to remember that persecution in China goes in waves. Right. And they will go through a period of heavy, 
and then it will lighten up for whatever reasons. Then it will get extremely heavy and then lighten up again. So it's this wave factor in the prisons in China. So whenever I call over there or we talk with the leadership, I'm always asking them, where are we at in persecution right now? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, severe. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost like a weather forecast. <laughs> um, a, a light rain today. Torrential rains tomorrow, sunny, and then, you know, that's the sort of situation you've got. So the point I'm making with this is these young people in China today that are accepting the Lord and that are the motor of the house church movement over there don't care about the weather. They don't care about the waves. They don't care about the situation. They don't complain. They go out and they see people that don't know Jesus, and they will preach in sunny weather or in prison or in wherever they are. That, that is their calling in life. Mm-hmm. And that's why the church in China is so productive. One of the um, questions that we get asked when telling the story is, should we throw out our Christmas lights? Um, because, yeah. you know, it's... That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Never again will no. I light a tree. But no, I remember no. you saying over and over again, when you put your Christmas lights up, just remember oh. the, all the church leaders in China and pray for them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because nice, they're... Actually. It's a good reminder to us. Exactly. It's a reminder, plus, Karis, the fact is, is that if they're not making Christmas tree lights, they're going to make something else. Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter of what they make. It, it, that's the reality of the situation. It's a matter that they will be forced into hard labor. They'll be forced into these situations. And the next time that they're there, they may be making something totally different. It's not, it's not the item. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that this is their lot in life under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. This is where they spend some time. And uh, one brother said to me, he said, uh, he says, oh, listen, we go to prison. When we go to prison, we go there for a rest. We get so tired outside preaching the gospel from God morning to night. God has a plan, and we go there for a rest, and he knows that we need that rest, and we're so thankful. And uh, he says, yeah, it's hard work in there and all this sort of stuff. Then we get out. We go back to work again. That's a so different perspective it's for a, sure. Yeah. yeah. And isn't that the way it is, though, with everything in life? Mm-hmm. It's perspective. Yeah. And um, this is why the perspective on the church in China, it's positive. Positive, always positive from China. Yes. Do you think the younger people who are leading the house church movement, as you mentioned earlier, if they're not spending as much time in prison, um, will they be prepared when that wave does come? Yes. And um, let me put it to you this way. This last 10 years or so, um, there's a whole new group of young pastors out there who never experienced the serious persecution of those who went before them. And therefore, they were expecting the good times when they could have mass meetings. They became more Western, almost, Western church pastor-ish. And they were—the older generation was concerned, sort of like, they're immature, they haven't gone through this. Well, then things changed. And in this last five or so years, shall we say, things were developing, getting worse. The surveillance was great. They were going to prison, and they matured almost overnight. So much so that the last conversation I had just a couple of weeks ago with one of the main leaders over there, and he said, uh, he said, the younger pastors have matured beautifully mm. over this last little while. They understand now the way of the cross. And when they say understanding the way of the cross, that means taking up your cross daily, suffering, going through the hardships, but persevering under the whole thing. So the answer, yes. 
And I know that you continually remind us that the Chinese church wants to be known as the persevering church and not the persecuted church, That's which true. is a, a great reminder when we're praying for them as well. And that's not just true for them. There are other countries as well that don't want to talk about what they go through. Vietnam's another one, Laos, um, another country. They prefer not to talk about their suffering. They jump over that as quick as they can in an interview to get to the good stuff. And the good stuff is how many people are accepting Jesus. Excellent. Great reminder. Well, thank you for that story from the field. Man, there's so many titles we could come up with. The Christmas Tree Light Pastor. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do, but it was a pleasure, guys. Thanks. Thanks. 